Hi, I'm Dr. Sabrina Black and welcome to Mental Health Monday. I am so glad that you were able to join me again today as we talk about life, relationship, and COVID-19 and beyond. You know, it is my goal and my desire to be able to give you some tips and some techniques to just help you as you are going through, and we are all going through something or another. If you have been following me, you know that I've already done several topics. I've talked about grief and loss. We've dealt with anger. We've talked about fear. Now we've talked about perfectionism. And guess what we're talking about today? That topic that nobody really wants to talk about, but it's happening right here in our communities, and for some of us, even in our homes. That topic today is domestic violence. So I would encourage you to definitely like it, to share it, to invite your friends, do a watch party on it, because we have an important topic that needs to be discussed today on Mental Health Monday. Now, you know, I'm Dr. Sabrina Black, and I've been doing counseling in the Metro Detroit area and around the world for over 25 years. And even though I'm the grief share expert and divorce care expert, I've been working with domestic violence as well. But I'm not the only expert in town on domestic violence. And I am just so honored to know people who are. And so I want to share with you some friends of mine and some family members of mine who I just have endeared to my heart, who are really laboring for the cost. Those two women that I've invited to join me today as we talk about this issue of domestic violence are Sherry Ware from Still Standing and Lisa Lloyd from Hidden Treasures. So ladies, if you could tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, Sherry, if you want to talk about who you are in your ministry so that the listening audience will get a chance to know you. Dr. Black, thank you so much for having me today. Uh, I am Sherry Ware. I am the founder and uh, CEO of a nonprofit organization called Still Standing Against Domestic Violence. I am uh, in Detroit proper. Um, and our mission is to walk with and stand shoulder to shoulder with men and women uh, who have went through um, domestic violence. We want to educate them to talk about uh, restoration and survival also in healing of domestic violence. Amen. On the other, I'm sorry, on the other end of the spectrum too, I also run a battering intervention program called Redeem mm -hmm. Battering Intervention Program. And it is an educational program, an all-male educational program uh, to help those men to be transformed by the renewing of their minds. Hmm. Did you say an all-male program? Yes, an all-male program. Wonderful. One of the things that some of you will get a chance to hear about is that women are not the only ones being battered, and men are not the only ones doing the battering. And so as we talk about this, we want to emphasize the fact that both people need help. And so this is not just for the women or the children who are being battered. This is also for the men who are being battered and, and abused in many ways as well, as well as those who need help because of what they're doing. Uh, Lisa, if you can tell us about yourself and a little bit about your ministry. Um, thank you, Dr. Black. It's an honor and a privilege to be here, to be able to speak on something that I'm very passionate about. I am the founder and CEO, CEO of Hidden Treasures Incorporated, where we bring awareness, um, education, and prevention to victims and survivors of domestic violence mental health prevention and suicide prevention. And um, I am a survivor. I was in a marriage for 15 years and I did survive by the grace of God. So I came from being a victim to a victor. And I came from being miser from misery to ministry. So this is just not organization for me. This is ministry to me. And it is my passion to help others to find themselves and get out of situations that make them feel like they're not worthy of being themselves. 
Thank you so much for that. You know, it's interesting when you say that you are a survivor. And I think it's important to realize that any woman or any man or any child who has come through this and you are still yet here to talk about it, you are indeed a survivor because it takes a, a certain set of skills to be able to make it through and to endure and to get out. And yes. I just want to mention for those of you who right now are going through, I hate to say it almost, but statistics have shown that more people die leaving than those who do stay. And so when you're preparing to leave, there's a strategy that needs to be in place yeah. as yes. we talk about preparing your escape plan. But we'll come yeah. back to that. We want to start with just basically what is domestic violence? So wait, okay, let, let, me, let me come to here for a moment. It is not just physical violence. So I know people say, well, he didn't slap me. He didn't punch me. Well, she didn't kick me. She didn't throw anything at me. Domestic mm -hmm. violence is a broad spectrum of definition. It includes physical abuse, sexual abuse, financial abuse, emotional abuse. There's a lot of intimidation involved when we talk about domestic violence. And let me say, domestic violence is not just anger. It's an issue of control. It's an issue of power. And so, Sherry, if you can talk some about that, that, that power and control wheel and, and the different things that represents domestic violence. All right. So that, on that power and control wheel, we call all of those things tactics. And so um, if someone is controlling the money, um, you know, maybe a survivor wants her, and I say survivor because I'm also a survivor too. And so as you guys can see, my share of survivors do speak. And um, so, you know, she may want her hair done. Um, but since he controls the money, she's not going to be able to get her hair done. Um, if somebody calls you fat, ugly, dumb, and stupid, mm. after a while, that wears you down to where you begin to think that you are dumb, ugly, stupid, and nobody's ever going to want you. You have these kids, nobody's ever going to want you. So mentally, they break you down. Um, and so, you know, we are so, we're so used to the physical. Well, he didn't hit me. Well, he doesn't have to hit you. We all grew up, a lot of us grew up with that rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Mm -hmm, and that mm -hmm. is a lie. So sticks and stones will surely break your bones, but words, they stay with us. And with those words that are being uh, said to us, it goes like an old movie. It just plays over and over and over again in our mind till we begin to believe the things that have been said to us. Hmm. Lisa, you want to chime in there? Um, I, I agree with, with everything Ms. Sherry says. It is just not physical. You're looking at the financial, you're looking at the sexual. And the sexual um, really hit home about a year ago with me. I took a sexual assault, the 40-hour sexual assault class, and I assumed I was taking it to enhance what I was already doing with domestic violence, not knowing that majority of every woman that deals with domestic violence lays and have relationships with their abuser out of fear. They can't say no. There's no such thing as saying no. So they, they're forced in that, that situation of sexual assault, even within that, um, the psychological, the manipulation, um, the mind games, you know, it, it's, it's, it's so broad. Um, however, it could be so small, but overlooked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, if you talk about that sexual abuse, it makes me think about the movie that people may have seen, Sleeping with the Enemy. 
Mm. And, you know, and again, yeah. and so again, it was beyond just the sex, but that whole idea of sleeping with the enemy is that the person right next to you is the person that is creating all the emotional pain and trauma for you in your life. And exactly. one of the things in that movie that always sticks out to me is uh, the tiles in the bathroom and how they had to be just so exactly level and how the cans in the cabinet had to all be turned the right direction in alphabetical order. And that may seem like, oh, well, that's really nice. They were organized. And if that's all it was, it would have been nice. But when you get bopped upside your head because the can is not facing the right direction, that, that's not nice. That's not and when nice. things are that controlled and that tight, that's challenging to live with. I see it's you want to say something, Sherry. Go ahead. You know, I'm just agreeing with you because um, you're absolutely right. <laughs> that power and control to have power and control over, over somebody. Mm -hmm. So what does that say about the other person? And so when you want what you want, when you want it, how you want it at the expense of someone else, that's when we should start checking ourselves. Exactly. Uh, it, says, it, it says that we need to, to be in control of that person. And we mm -hmm. need to show that person that we're the more powerful person. And if you don't do it, I tell you, turn that can around to the left when I told you to turn to the right and watch mm -hmm. what happens. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so just listening to you say that, you're absolutely right that that power and control. And mm -hmm. that power and control can be very, very deadly. Very dangerous. You know, sometimes power and control comes across as jealousy mm. and manipulation, you know, and I think as parents, that's one of the things that we want to watch our young daughters with and even our sons, you know, a lot of times you have these relationships or just somebody, even that you're dating, you have these relationships where somebody calls you all the time and, and you can't get nothing done because your phone is always blowing up and it's always beeping and vibrating and they want to know where you are and what you're doing. And sometimes it goes, oh, that's so nice. He just loves me. She just loves, no, 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 that's control. They want to know where you are every minute of the day, what you're doing. Why didn't you answer your phone? And then all of a sudden you look up, you got 20 messages mm -hmm. and the messages go from, hey, just thinking about you to, hey, what you doing? Well, who you with? How come you didn't call me back? I don't called you four times. Do I need to come over there? And it just escalates. And, and so that is not cute. That's control. Go ahead. Go ahead. And that those are warning signs. Those are red flags. Those are red flags that when we get into relationships as young women or young men, oh, oh, he loved me. Girl, he's concerned about me. You know, he's calling and checking on me. Those are red flags. And even for a man, when a woman does that to a man, that's a red flag. Because if that woman is so consumed and thinking about what you're doing, who you with, now who you're talking to, to let me see your phone while you got a, a, a code <laughs> on your phone. Those are warning signs. Right. Those are warning signs. Why, why do you have a code on your phone? What you trying right. to hide from me? Yeah. It's again, yeah. not cute. And, then, and, then, and then a lot of them is learned behavior on both sides, the victim mm. and the the, um, the person that's being um, the victim, victor. But um, is learned behavior in their house that they saw their parents do or have seen someone else do and they think it's, it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, years ago, it, it, was, it was a pattern with some things that's just not a pattern anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it was okay then. You know, it, it was okay to ask permission. And I'm not saying to be disrespectful to your spouse. By all means, we have to be dis disrespectful. By all means, I believe even being submissive to my husband. But the Bible also say he should be submissive to me. And the Bible also says we're submissive to one to another. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, when it's one-sided and it is my way or no way, or it's my way or the highway, then there's a problem there. Mm 
And as you talk about submission, the difference is is, is being a helpmate, not a doormat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and the goal is not to be battered into submission. Submission mm-hmm. is a hard attitude where I want to honor and reverence you, not where you beat me down and make me do what you say. I, yes. I see you want to jump in, Sherry. Go ahead. Or even make me feel guilty to yeah. want to do something for you. Let me do that because it's coming from my heart, the kindness of my heart, and because I love you and care about you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, submission is a partnership. Yeah. You know, let's see how we can work this out together and not. Yeah, you trying to to tell me what you want me to do. But I just want to just um, piggyback off on something that Lisa said about it being a learned behavior. Mm. So, you know, back in, in, we were probably about the same age. And, you know, back in our time, generation, it was what happens in this house stays in this house. And you don't tell nobody what happens. Mm -hmm. And so when you grow up in an abusive home, like I did, Mm. um, what I learned was we could not talk about it. Couldn't tell anybody about it. And you better not even try to talk to your mom about it because that wasn't none of your business staying the kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned, it was a learned behavior. So what I learned to do was to lie, mm-hmm. to, protect the, to protect the person who wow. was doing the abusing. And then mm-hmm. it also led me to get into an abusive marriage because that's what I saw. Mm-hmm. And if my mama didn't leave this man that was abusing her, I equated that with love. Mm-hmm. And so when you grow, when, and speaking for myself, because I grew up that way, then I got with an abusive man where, you know, I knew that it wasn't right, but then I couldn't talk to my sisters or my brothers because I didn't want them, you know, to come and, and, and try to help me. And then I get them hurt because of course I'm going to go back with him, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to leave the man. This is my husband. And so I learned all of those things and was abused for 10 years. Hmm. Um, when I knew that I shouldn't have, you know, been there, but because it was my normal mm-hmm. and because that's what I had saw, mm-hmm. that's what I put up with. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up with the fantasy of the white picket fence. That I, I'm, I'm just, I just refuse to accept that I will be alone or divorced like my mom. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I pretended like it was, everything was also perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to church with the smile, with the hurting heart and, and then the ones that I did speak to was more like, you know, he, he's a provider. He was, he was an excellent provider, but I was miserable. I was being abused. And it, it, it was, it was such a learned behavior that I, I was training myself to be content with it, mm. but it's not okay. And that's another even deeper passion of mine to let the church know this is not okay. This has to be dealt with even in the church. Yeah, this is not okay. You know, it's one of the things that I realized is I, when I did one of my earlier presentations on domestic violence, it was probably in 2008 or so. And it was, uh, yeah, removing the weight in 2008. And it was at a church and they, and they called me to do this presentation on domestic violence. And I remember thinking, God, what do I know about domestic violence? I need to do a whole lot of research. And I remember going to bed that night thinking, man, the church wanted a presentation on domestic violence. It can't be happening there. Why would they want to do this at this big major women's conference? And when I went to sleep, God brought to my remembrance that I had been in a domestic violence situation. And it was like, not me. Uh Uh-uh, that didn't happen to me. And all of a sudden, I remember being in the car with this guy and we were on our way back to my place and we were talking and I said something he didn't like. 
and he literally swung his hand and hit me across my eyebrow. I mean, and I still got a little mark right here even now from that wow. eons ago. And, and his ring hit me across my head. And I was stunned. And I thought, did he just hit me? And all I kept thinking was, if he hit me once, he'll hit me again. Because whatever it was that made him think that was permissible, he got something wrong in his mind. Because there is never, ever going to be anything I'm going to do and or say that's going to make that permissible. And at that moment, I knew that relationship had to be over. Then it was just a matter of trying to figure out how to get out. Because I didn't realize I was trapped at the time. And, and a lot of times women and or men are in situations where they don't realize they're literally being held hostage. I remember talking to friends who were saying, Sabrina, we've been trying to get in touch with you and he won't let us talk to you. I'm like, what do you mean he won't let you talk to me? He says you're busy whenever we call. I didn't know people had been calling me for months. I was so busy all in love and having a good time that I just thought everything was okay until mm. I realized I was being held hostage. Wow. Yeah. And, 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 and that's so common. It's so common. Thank God you knew to just be through with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You live in a household and that's what you see. It's, it's, you know it's not normal, but it becomes a norm. Yeah. So when it happens to you, you know it's wrong, but if it's still at the same time normal. And you, it, with me, it was embarrassment. It was, with me, I didn't want to be that, that single parent. With me, I didn't want to be by myself. I had six <laughs> stair steps. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was already told, oh, you not, your marriage not going to make it. So I, I, I felt I needed to prove a point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sherry, if you could, if you would just kind of talk about some of the different types of things that are on that, that power wheel, that power and control wheel of uh, some of the things that are actually domestic violence. Because a lot of times people, again, think, okay, well, this is not happening or that's not happening. If you could just kind of mention some of the key things that are part of that for people. Okay, so, you know, we have the, the obvious, the physical abuse, we have the verbal and also the nonverbal, mm -hmm. um, you know, hanging up the phone, hiding your things, your car keys, moving important documents, you know, taking stuff and, and making you think that, you know, you lost your mind because it's not, you know, they didn't do it. Then, of course, the sexual, forcing you to do things that you don't want to do sexually, um, also stalking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, repeated phone calls, following you, tra tracking you online, searching, you know, in your car while you're in the house or, you know, you're in your purse or belonging. Also the economic abuse as well. Um, you know, keeping you in a place where uh, if they're providing, you know, monetary, putting only enough gas in your car where you can make it to the grocery store and, you know, to the gas station and, and to pick the kids up and, um, you know, those kind of things. And then also one big one that um, I learned about when I started servicing men was obfuscation. Mm. And obfuscation is when they place the blame on you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you hadn't did that, I wouldn't have said that. Mm -hmm. If you had to do what I told you to, this wouldn't have happened. Mm -hmm. and so they place the blame on the, on the victim um, as, you know what, it's, it's, a, it's a cause and effect. Mm -hmm. Because you did this, I do this. No. Violence is not a cause and effect because they had a choice. And so what choice you chose to make, you know, it's not, I was drunk, you know, I was drinking and because I was drinking, no, nope, that's an excuse. Mm -hmm. So where is the accountability? Um, and so um, those types of things on the power and control wheel 
a lot of people, they're so subtle. And a lot of people just don't think that they are abusive, but they are, and they're tactics. Mm-hmm. And then they can gaslight you. Yeah, you know, they right. can, you know, good, do stuff and have you think that you're losing your mind mm-hmm. uh, when in actuality you're not because they are doing stuff to you to, you know, put you in these heightened places of fear. Mm-hmm, where you're mm-hmm. terrorized, where you're, you know, traumatized. Mm-hmm, um, and so those are just a few of the, you know, few of the tactics that are on that power and control wheel. Not exhaustive, but just a few of them. Yeah. And, and so if, if you're watching this and, and you're in a situation that sounds anything familiar to this, or you have family or friends, you, you may want to share this with them and help them realize that there is help available, there's hope, and there's healing available. And, and we're going to talk about that. But, you know, as we talk about these different things that describe domestic violence. It, it, it is the, the hitting you, the pushing you, the slapping you, the hiding your things, the threatening you, the threatening your children, the threatening your pets, to, to doing things to you, to throwing things across the room. All of that is part of domestic violence. Sometimes it's just simply you know, just balling your mouth up and holding your fists up just to keep you in check so that you back down and don't say anything. If you or someone you know is dealing with that, that is not normal. And we realize that right now during COVID-19, everybody's not happy sheltered at home. They wish somebody had some place to go. They want to go to work. They want you to go to work. They want the kids to get out of the house and go to school because now that we're all here together and tensions are mounting, we're realizing that this person does not know how to deal with stress. They do not know how to manage their own anger, their own temper, and those types of things. And they're lashing out trying to control things that they cannot control. You cannot control COVID-19. And they are feeling that sense of out of control right now. And they need help as much as you do. So one of the things I often hear people say, Lisa, is that it's not bad all the time. You know, he, he really is a good guy. He really does love me. And, and so there is this, this cycle of abuse in terms of going in and out of this honeymoon phase that people need to hear about. If you could talk some about that cycle of abuse. The cycle is for days, it could be weeks, it could be months, and it even could be years where everything is just fine. Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful is just doing everything wonderful. I, I, I'm a product of that. Everything was just fine. And then all of a sudden, either something triggers or something happened or it's just that season. They, they, it's like dealing with um, Mr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The fighting starts. But before the fight, the blaming starts. Just like Ms. Sherry said, the blaming starting, the accusing starting, um, you know, the verbal, the emotional, the um, psychological abuse starts, and then the physical. Mm-hmm. And then here it is, they want to apologize. Then they're going to make it all better. You know, they quit to say, I'm sorry. He got some flowers, he got some roses, he go, he go this, he go that. I won't do it no more. I love you. Let's make love and let's ignore it. And then the honeymoon starts, the cycle starts again. Mm-hmm. You, and so you have that calm before the storm. And, and, and sometimes mm-hmm. even when there's this calm before the storm, a lot of people live walking on eggshells because you exactly. don't know when the other shoe is going to drop. You don't know what's going to set the person off. You don't know what triggered them the last time. And you need to know it's not you. It's not you that's doing the trigger. It's something on the inside of them. And so there's the trigger of whatever it is that happens for that individual. Then it's the incident. And the incident is whatever it is that happens. And after the incident, they do go into this point of apology, like Lisa is saying, where they're really sorry and they didn't mean it. And you you remember that they did love you at one point. But I, I think so often we're confused on what is true love. 
and what does love look like? And love is not about being battered for any particular reason. And then you go into this honeymoon phase. And when the honeymoon phase, you may be getting all the gifts and all the accolades and the cards. You may get trips and coats and cars, but none of that makes up for what has happened. Go ahead, Sherry. I see you want to say something. <laughs> I was going to say, that's when you start need to start getting that safety plan together. Exactly. Start putting all of your important papers in a spot where you can get them in case you have to run. Mm -hmm, I, dug mm -hmm. a, I dug a hole under a tree in my backyard. Mm. And I put all of me and the kids' birth certificates, social security cards, all of that stuff in, a, in there. And when I, because he controlled my money, he didn't work and I worked. And so every time I came home, he would take my paycheck, but I would take 20 or $30 and put it in that a plastic bag and put it in that, because I knew sooner or later I was going to leave. Yeah, it's, it's good right now, but uh, I'm out of here. As soon as I get a chance to get out of here, I'm out of here. And so mm -hmm. I just started uh, coming up with a safety plan. Mm -hmm. um, and when the time came, it was, you know, three o'clock in the morning. Um, and I heard the voice of God say, go, get your kids and go. Mm. 